everybody here on the Monday Drive. Bill, Dan, and Drew, the regular crew getting things started here in the studio. Brian Matthews, MarvinSports.com, will be joining us shortly, and we hope you will as well. Let's go ahead and uh, take care of the business that uh, we need to here at the beginning of the show. And hour number one of the drive brought to you as usual by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And also the sponsor of our hotline, where we welcome your calls, questions, and comments. And we'll get right to them uh, so you can go ahead and dial in at 334 321 1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast. And so much to talk about. I was thinking about this um, yesterday, that for a lot of local sports fans, not a great weekend. You had Auburn High lose. You had Opelika lose. Now, Lee Scott did win, but Auburn University lost, Alabama lost, and the Braves lost both Friday and Saturday, and they're done. So a, a tough weekend for a lot of the teams that people follow right here in the immediate area. Right. Do, do you want to start with, with Auburn Ole Miss? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened this weekend, oh, but, we, yeah. but we usually jump yeah, right yeah. into the Yeah, I, I would game. think we'd start with that because it's the first time we've been on since since that happened Saturday, when Auburn found themselves down 21 nothing, was it the first play of the second quarter? It was right there at the beginning of the second quarter when Auburn fell behind 21 nothing, And I was thinking, oh, how ugly could this one get? Um, but the next thing you know, Auburn's down 21-14. And a pass interference call away from getting the ball back down seven. But uh, the interference call prevented that, then led to a touchdown. Auburn was down 28-17 at the half and eventually falls 48-34. to One, They never could get the ball. Auburn never, after they were down 14 to nothing, they never again had the ball down by seven. Every time they cut it to, they cut it to seven on two different occasions, never had the ball back because of that interference call, then the onside kick where... Quite frankly, the Auburn players looked like they had no idea what to do with that onside kick. And credit Ole Miss. And Ole Miss literally ran over Auburn for that 48-34 win. Absolutely. And there was progress uh, at at different points on, on the team. I mean, Auburn, offensively. Offensively, Auburn rushed for over 300 yards for the first time since Carrion Johnson was on the team, which is not something, even with questions about the Ole Miss defense going into the game. You raised some of these questions on Friday's show, Bill. Yeah, I didn't remember. know how good they were, truly. Right, and I, even with questions about the Ole Miss defense, I don't know if people were expecting a 300-yard no. rushing performance from Auburn. Unfortunately, some of the questions Auburn had defensively were answered, and the answers are not what Auburn fans were hoping for. I mean, it was a... Um, you know, a, a pretty. Uh, I mean, it, it it was it was it wasn't pretty. Yeah, I was going to say it was anything a, but a pretty deflating <sighs> performance, especially in the second half for an Auburn defense that was really trying to. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, at times they were trying to get Auburn back in the game, but Ole Miss had answers for everything Auburn was trying to do defensively, and uh, even even with Ole Miss not really being able to throw the ball 
uh, with with much well, uh, efficiency. I know there were the three touchdowns. Yeah, I was going to say three touchdowns and nine completions. That's pretty efficient. And three touchdowns on nineteen attempts, but they didn't complete a high percentage. But uh, but still, I mean, neither team neither team had um, high completion percentages or big numbers. I yeah, mean, just both teams relied on the run. What was it? Uh, eight for seventeen and nine for nineteen. Auburn was eight for seventeen. And Ole Miss was 9 for 19. I mean, Ole Miss ran nearly 90 plays from scrimmage and completed nine passes. In, well, in, when, in when you can game. run for but 448 yards, you don't need to right. throw the ball very much. Right. Now, I don't know how much of that was concern about Auburn's secondary or the way Auburn had played the pass versus just the fact that they no, could No, it was because they could run, yeah. Yeah. and they did it from the first snap of the ball game. And Auburn never could stop the jet sweep. They couldn't st- Well, they couldn't stop any runs. They just, I mean, Ole Miss... Faced second and less than five almost the entire game. I was going to say, when was Ole Miss's first third and long? I mean, when, when was the... Did when they was the, have a third and long? They, I, I don't remember valid, third and long. It's a valid question, because I'm going through these plays, and every, there was a third and six uh, about not with about nine minutes left in the first half. Is that does that count as a third? Yeah, and long that so? usually, usually they say seven or more, but I mean six seems long. Which they didn't. Which the way they, it was the way it was uh, Saturday. Which they didn't convert. That actually was that led to, to Ole Miss's. I believe that was the only punt of the first half for Ole Miss was after they couldn't convert a third and six. But other than that, you're right. It wasn't just the way they had success on the ground. It was success on the ground on early draw on, on, on early plays oh, yeah. in the drive, first down and second down, and with different players. Three different backs ran for a hundred yards, and the. Uh, uh, the former walk-on carried it what three or four times for about sixty-five yards. I mean, they if they kept going to him, I felt like they would have had four rushers with a hundred yards in the game. They had three hundred-yard rushers. Yeah, nearly two hundred and eighty yards combined for Judkins and Evans, plus Jackson Dart at the quarterback right. position, putting in one hundred and fifteen yards. All three of those players uh, rushed for at least five and a half yards. Per carry, uh, that's trouble. What, what was what was the receiver? The, and then Wade is Wade. the uh, and, and yeah. Dayton. What was Wade, his average? Dayton Wade was uh, four for sixty three, which yeah. gets you right around sixteen. Yeah, that, that's okay. Uh, he also caught two passes for forty four yards. He so. was he, yeah. Auburn had no answer for him. The defense just had no answers. So four period. different players had over a hundred yards from scrimmage. Auburn uh, is in the r- bottom. Receiving. Auburn's in the bottom ten nationally. In every rush defense category, yards per carry, total yards, touchdowns, yards per game, uh, Auburn can't stop the run. And uh, and and one of the things, all right, Marcus third, Harris, third opponent to break forty points yeah, on and, Auburn, and that is the first time for seven games, first time in Auburn history that an Auburn team has allowed forty points three times in a season. It, it had happened three times before that I could find. I may have missed one. But in 1929, a two-win Auburn team gave up 40 twice. 1948, uh, Earl Brown's first team gave up 40 twice. And his last team, the 1950 team, which went 0-10, gave up 40 twice. So this team goes into the record books as the only team in Auburn history to allow 40 or more points three times. And the 12- and, and, and you think you think that's done? I don't. No, with with the offenses left on the schedule, no, 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 no probably not. The twelve game stretch that Auburn just completed, which oh which yeah, starts uh, with the because the next time Auburn's going to play is is Halloween weekend. The twelve game that's appropriate. So the twelve game stretch would be uh, that that's that begins that is that is overall it is three and nine. Right, that begins with A and M last year. So that's the four game following the Ole Miss game. Auburn has played a full season from Ole Miss to Ole Miss. It is three and nine. Now, 
Let's uh, and and I, what is what's the highlight of the three and nine? A power five win when Missouri dropped the ball going into the end zone. Right. I mean, which, which I've described as a football game directed by Mel Brooks. Right. I mean that 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 fourth quarter was. I mean, it was impossible uh, that Missouri lost that game. The other two wins are over non-power five teams. The first two games of this season. Uh, so it's one and eight. In, in Auburn is one and eight in its last nine against the Power Five. The win is the Missouri game, and, and then throwing throwing a loss in the bowl game and, against and, uh, yes. Houston. And there's also a loss in the bowl game to Houston. There there was some progress on Saturday in key areas, uh, but to sum it up, I mean, we I haven't called for Brian Harson to lose his job. You were we were talking about this earlier today. Mm-hmm. I'm indifferent to. Brian Harson losing his job at midseason and Auburn letting Brian Harson go after the Iron Bowl, but I cannot. I mean, I mean, I am at zero percent interest in a third season with this coaching staff. Like, I would be astonished if whether the decision is made now or later this week or after Auburn hires an AD or after the Iron Bowl. Um, I, 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 you know, that that's immaterial to me. But a third season, I, I can't imagine. The way this is trending, what what next season could look like if Brian Harson and company are in charge? All right, let's uh, welcome in our regular third here on Mondays at Traffic Jam, huh? Slowed you down, Brian. Yeah. Brian Matthews, AuburnSports.com. Like a little fender bender there on the on the bypass on, on, a, on a day where there's no school. I, I mean, know. I was thinking, you know, I'm, I made it amazingly quickly coming down, you know, com, coming up Dean, yeah. which I don't usually do. So uh, I thought, yeah. What is the what is the school day? What I think it was a work day oh, okay. or a teacher uh, student teacher day. Gotcha. I think it was a combination of those two. So yes, the uh, city schools were not meeting, but Brian's with us, and uh, let's let's get to the phones. Uh, as I mentioned, yeah, we're we're wide open today, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Marcus gets us started. Hey, Marcus. Hey, gentlemen. I mean, we gave up 448 rushing yards the other day. No SEC defense should do that, especially someone with Auburn that we feel like has a good defensive front. But, Bill, they run that little delay toss all day long. We never adjust, never stopped it. And any time the quarterback wanted to run, it looked like we split the Red Sea and they run right up the middle. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I know Owen is a five-star recruit. To me, he is not a very good inside linebacker. He's not big enough. He's not physical enough to play inside. To me, he's out of position because he does a poor job, to my opinion, inside. And our defensive line is just not existent. I don't know how we've regressed so much defensively. That's the most embarrassing part of it for me. I know we're really bad on offense, but defensively, we just got really soft. We get pushed around. Auburn's front seven has has really has really been a problem or front six because they play a nickel most of the yeah, time. I, I, think, I don't think the problem is players not playing hard or players not having talent. It's players playing too many snaps. You cannot play defensive linemen 70 and 80, 80 plus snaps, snaps a game. No. That's that's ridiculous. And, and, and it's been going on. It's not just like one game. No, it's it's two years now. I mean, we wondered last year where, where some of the young guys were. And I, I was wondering last year if it was a Nick Eason coming from the pros thing. But we're seeing exactly the same thing yeah, again this and, year. Those guys were clearly worn out, mm-hmm. um, you know, beaten up. And, and it's a twofold thing. Number one, uh, this, this coaching staff didn't take care of uh, the business in the offseason to provide Auburn with better depth uh, on the defensive front six or seven, whatever you want to call it now. And number two, they haven't played those guys. Well, how do, how do you know about right. guys like Marquise right. Robinson and Jeffrey Imba? Right. And, I mean, those guys, uh, they're, they're just standing on the sideline. The only way you establish depth is by playing them. 
Give them a series during a, during the first half of a game. Give them another couple series in the second half. Oh, the sledge too. It. I mean, I forgot. Right. It's like I, I'll go back. I know there's bodies. There, there, there were numbers there in the preseason. We just haven't seen them. I thought that would be one of Auburn's strengths. Yeah, I did. Well, it should be. Oh, I did too. But what about even the first half, guys? I didn't see us play well defensively in the first half. No, no. You're oh, you're right. I mean, it, well, that wasn't because they were worn out. They well, were. I, I do think so. There's some cum- cumulative effects because it's been going on all season. But yes. Uh, I just Lane, I think I tell the you what, fits have been a big issue. With Lane, Lane, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that, mm-hmm. Brian. But I mean, Lane, Lane Kiffin is great at spotting something and spotting weakness or weaknesses, and if you don't fix it, he's not going to stop. Yeah. And I don't blame him. I mean, it just it worked and it kept working. He, he knows Auburn's linebackers don't have good eyes. I, that I, they just don't, and they they don't make good decisions in the moment. And he exploited that and and just uh, abused them for many many yards. Two, two things on the run defense on Saturday. One, I think you guys are absolutely right about. Uh, I think I think Nathan tweeted out that only five defensive linemen played mm-hmm. uh, a snap. That's right. That's ridiculous. Ninety. That's ninety plays against yeah. Ole Miss, and you yeah. played. Five. I, I wonder how much. I wonder yes. how much. Uh, Amaris Joseph would have played if Marcus Harris hadn't gone down. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, yeah, you're right. And Marcus and Marcus, I mean, maybe maybe only four would, would have played. The other thing is, you mentioned the defensive linemen and the <laughs> linebackers. The way Ole Miss plays, your secondary needs to be strong against the run too. There are times when yeah. that pressure is on the safeties, that pressure yeah. is on the corners to make plays, especially when they're going all the way to the sideline with some of those runs. What were the and numbers for missed tackles? It, it, I mean, I think it was twenty-three yeah. missed tackles. Like I, think, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a spot on the defense that feels like it played well against the run. All I can say, Kevin Steele, Rodney Gardner, T. Will, if they were here, that defense would never, ever, 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 ever play like that. Well, that's why, that's why I said, Brian, it's the first time in history Auburn's uh, given up 40 points in three different games. Yeah, it's just... And the season's not over. Yeah. Mm. Still there, Marcus? Uh, yeah, I just... Guys, I just... I pray. If it's Hugh Freeze, remember, we've got to hit the porter really hard. He's got to hire a good defensive coach. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I, look at, I look at Miami, I look at Kevin Steele. They're terrible in the secondary back there, so Kevin's got his own struggles. But I think Rodney Gardner was a good defensive line coach. I think Kevin did a good job at Auburn, but he's really struggling at Miami this year with mm-hmm. the defensive back. Well, it's going to take him a while to build that defense and that well, talent back up, of course, and get his players in there. He, well, he plays got, a certain way. They've got five stars down in Miami. It's just maybe learning his system, but there's talent there also. So I don't know. I just pray that – I mean, you think we'll have a coach in place by Christmas uh, they, they better. I mean, th- here's the problem with the transfer portal in Auburn right now. It opens on December 4th. Right. If right. you don't have somebody in place and you're not ready to go, you're going to miss out there on better be a co- They're better if, if – I mean, well, just, I mean, the, the, the coaching situation had better be settled before December 4th. It yeah. needs to be settled within 48 – if at the latest – by the Monday after the Iron Bowl. Uh, yeah, the latest. I, I, I don't know why you would wait that long. I think that's ridiculous. I think it's bad decision and bad leadership to do that. You've got to get something done soon, and you've got to have somebody that come in here ready to hit the ground running, or you're throwing away next season just like this season is. I agree. Hey, Bill, last thing. When will we name it a permanent AD? Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's this week, From just from a couple of things uh, I've heard. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Brian, what are you hearing? Yeah, I think within this week or maybe yeah. next. But Before the Arkansas game. I really thought two weeks ago that the order of things was going to be a decision on Harson, then AD. Yeah, then obviously coach, not. But I think that's changed. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the new AD is coming first. Hi guys, thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. Appreciate the call, Marcus. 334-321-1390. We'll go ahead and get to our first break and uh, continue. Brian Matthews with us. 
We'd love for you to join in here on the Monday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews, MarburnSports.com, Drew at the controls. And, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on anything over the weekend. Uh, there, there, were, there were a lot of um, wild games over the weekend. You had uh, None wilder. None wilder than what we saw in Knoxville. Oh, but no, that, you're, that, right. you're right about that. I mean, an instant classic, a game of the year, call it whatever you want. Uh, we were, I mean, Bill, we thought... Bryce Young plays. It's probably an issue for Tennessee. It was an issue for Tennessee. Bryce Young was great. Yeah, he's really good. He is He is the best passer I have ever seen at Alabama, maybe the best passer I've ever seen in college. He's unbelievable really with, I mean, he, he feels, you know, he gets hit a lot, but, I mean, he's, he's great at hanging there and waiting and waiting and waiting and then delivering as good a ball Yep. Into tight spaces as anybody I've ever seen. I was saying, I, I, I never thought I'd see. I guess Andrew Luck was the last guy watching as a college quarterback where I was like, he's doing things that I've, I, with the football, I've never seen that seem impossible, you know, as far as distance wise and, and accuracy. He's, he's, Bryce Young's there. And like nothing, nothing phases him. Nothing. I mean, last year it struggled for 58 minutes against Auburn and then just coolly comes down the uh-huh. field. And that's, that's just the way he is. The only thing is, I get you can't blame Bryce Young for Jameer Gibbs not hanging on to that little pass. He catches that they won the game. I mean, they're going to win the game. Well, I don't know. Uh, there's no, there's no guarantee that Rikers, if he doesn't score a touchdown, that Rikers going to make the field goal because right. he's struggling lately. Yeah. He is struggling lately. But the fact that Alabama left Tennessee time, even. Even after, you know, even if they'd made the field goal, they still left Tennessee too much time. That's what I was shocked at, that uh, Nick Saban didn't just uh, go over and, you know, just have somebody take Bill O'Brien out and say, run the damn ball and kick the field goal. Where would you rank Tennessee if you were voters today? I mean, they beat number two or number one. Number two, yeah. They beat number three, Alabama. Yeah, Alabama number had been three. three. Okay, I, I'd so. put them, I'd put them at least four. Yeah, right. definitely top five. I think so too. Yeah. I'd, I'd make, and I'd, I'd flirt with putting them in the top three. Yeah, that's because yep. that's as impressive a win it is as, as anybody has. It was on. at home, so. But I mean, it's going to be. I, I know, I know, but it's going to be. It's going to be pretty interesting. I mean, they've got to go to Athens. They got to go to Athens, but that offense, that offense they, is great. If they can get rolling, I mean. The, is, is Georgia going to be able to keep up with I think Georgia, I, think, I, mean, I think Georgia, I don't know, Georgia's going to have some of the same problems because Kirby has the same philosophy Nick does, and that is, man, don't play zone. And that's going to be really tough against Tennessee. Going to be really, really tough against the Vols. Let's get to the phone, and uh, Jeff is up next on the Kia of Auburn Hotline. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Uh, first-time caller, uh, passionate Auburn fan, 84 grad. Uh, I had a couple of questions for you. I'd uh, be interested to get your take. Uh, is there any way Brian Harson is the coach next year? And secondly, don't you think the whole Harson situation is killing recruiting 
and how do we turn that around without uh, starting over again? That's some really interesting yeah. questions. Is there any way? Yes, sure. there's a way. I mean, if the, if the well, the thing is, if the new AD comes in, if it is, it, all right, if it's not Rich McGlynn, and I'm not saying Rich McGlynn would pull the trigger, but a new AD would need to get try to understand exactly what's going on with the football program. So if it's a new AD that comes in, all right, then he wants to get to know Brian Harson and watch the team. If they turn it around and play a little bit better, let's let's face it, Brian. Brian Harson, when it comes down to interviews, he's going to knock it out of the park. I mean, he says exactly the right thing, and he looks the part, talks the part. What hasn't happened is, you know, following through and yeah. and doing yeah, the, the part. Results, but the I'm saying, it, yeah. but if you're somebody new coming in and and you you meet him, it's like, oh. You know, your first your first reaction would probably be, i yeah. got to give this guy a chance. I still say it's going to take a miracle. But there's a chance. Right. There is a chance. <laughs> yes. All right. And the second part of his, the second part of your question, uh, Jeff? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think you kind of answered it. How, how, how badly is the situation hurting oh, recruiting? Oh, yeah, recruiting. And I, and I wanted to, I've heard from a lot of old-timers, uh, you know, ex-professors, people in the know, um, I just moved back here about six months ago. Um, does does Brian Harson actually recruit? Does he go to high schools? Does he go inside these kids' homes, or does he leave that up to the assistant coaches? I mean, he does some of that, um, but not as much as other coaches that are more successful recruiting than than, than well, him. My uh, understanding he, he's, he's been a fixture at Auburn high school games on Friday right. nights this year because his, his son is on the team. I don't know how much. Other high school football he's been attending this year, based on reports. I I can't now remember. Yeah, remember, head coaches are limited in in what they can do as far as in home visits. Right. Um, but I mean, it's it's been reported in multiple places that Brian Harson, nor his coordinators, nor a couple of other assistants have been out on uh, football fr- high school football Friday nights. Yeah. And you know, right now. Commitment class, they got 11 commitments, which is, uh, you know, I, I guess most, most other SC teams have closer to 20 mm-hmm. or more. Um, they're 43rd in the nation, 12th in the SEC. Um, I thought Clay Whedon was a really great pickup. I mean, a terrific player, person. Uh, I think he's going to play at Auburn. But, you know, you got to have more than, than that, you know. Um, so I would be very concerned about uh, recruiting along with the way the football team is playing. It's just, just there's no areas of this program that's really um, – doing well, I could say. Yeah, I want to ask Jeff's question kind of a different way. I appreciate the phone call, Jeff, but I'm, I'm wondering how, and we were just talking about this before the show started, Brian, like how, how responsible is a second-year coach for the overall talent level on the team? You know, how, how much of it is something that he needed to address before his first game as, as Auburn coach leading up to the 2021 season uh, on the recruiting trail? How much of it needed to be addressed as soon as the 2021 season ended. I guess how much did the investigation limit Brian Harson's ability to improve the talent level of this team versus, uh, you know, how, how much of it is, you know, should, should be laid at his feet? How much of it is, is his fault? Well, my feeling do you, is... Do you want to think about yeah. it and then we can come back okay. with, with that question? I didn't realize the music was uh, was about to start, but we'll that. Uh, yeah, it, wor- it worked out. It's a nice little tease for, yep. uh, for, for our listeners. All right. We will get to our bottom of the hour break. You can join us as well. 334-321-1390. Stick with us here on the Monday Drive.
Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews, MarvinSports.com. And as we went to the bottom of the hour, Dan, you want to uh, re-ask the yeah. question you wanted to get uh, Brian to answer? Well, just, I mean, there, there are debates about you know how much of it is the situation Brian Harson inherited versus Brian Harson's maybe lack of action to address problems on the roster over the last couple of years or deficiencies on the roster over the last couple of seasons. And I'm just sort of thinking in, in your mind, you know, how fair is it to... Uh, you know, to to, uh, to to blame a second-year coach, or how responsible is a second-year coach for the talent level of of his team, and and specifically in the case of Brian Harson, you know, how much how much do you uh, do you, do you lay at the feet of Brian Harson the struggles of this year's team uh, and on on offense and defense? Well, I think he deserves a mulligan for year one. He's coming from Boise State. He's he's taken over a a, a job he knows nothing about, no experience with it. Came, you know? He came in in COVID right. to where where, they, where you couldn't right. have face to face contact. Sure, but he should have known after last season. Okay, if I want to compete with the best teams in this league, I've got to improve in these areas: uh, offensive line, quarterback, you know, receiver. Uh, I've, he, I've brought, got, he he did bring in he did bring in some quarterbacks. Yeah, well, um, you know, I've got to improve my depth on defense. Right, I can't you know I can't play five games. Five guys, you know, 80, 90 snaps in the game or whatever. Especially after twenty, yeah. especially after twenty guys leave. Yeah, I mean, it's not uh, just the normal graduation. I mean, twenty. How many players left in the portal? I mean, forget forget about the guys who left in the draft and graduated. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember. I mean, the number. You, you, had, I did, you had I did the tracker, but it was over, it was over, over a dozen. Yeah, and, you was, know, was left left. Yeah, the, it was at least fourteen left in the portal. Yeah, so I mean, so yeah, I mean, it made, it made it more of a crisis than usual. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not not to jump in, but yeah, I mean, he made the decision to bring back all these offensive linemen that had, you know. Fifth, sixth, and seventh years, uh, or fifth and sixth years, and uh, you know, 121 starts between them, and then try to bring those guys back, and at the same time try to sign these, uh, you know, offensive line out of the portal. That was never going to work, and it didn't work. They didn't sign any of them. They they missed out on all of them. They missed out on, on all their top receiver targets uh, out of the portal until they got Coy Moore and, and Dazzle Worsham, who are good, solid players, but they're not, you know, number one receivers in this conference, uh, you know. Um, the quarterbacks that they handpicked to um, step in this program have been below average, I'd have to say. Maybe worse. I don't want to be mean, but, I mean, I'm just saying the results speak for themselves, right? You know, I mean, their, their quarterback rating speaks for itself. Their uh, interception to touchdown ratio speaks for itself. Their completion percentage speaks for itself. They're not, they're not good enough to be competing for championships on this level right now. And I would say something else that, that – a head coach definitely would be responsible for, and that is um, the play calling on both sides of the ball and the the inability. Now, Auburn scored some points in the second half the other day against Ole Miss. I don't yeah. know how much adjustment there was. Auburn just kept doing the same thing, and Ole Miss was like, "It doesn't matter. We're going to score more." Yeah. I mean, that's just sort of that's what it felt like the other day. So, those are a couple of things I I have been um, very concerned with with. The lack of improvement on on either side of the ball. Saturday was better offensively. First time all year they've improved offensively. But but some of that was I think 
They they had to play a couple of players. They've had to play a couple of players that they hadn't put out there before. And it's like, oh, my goodness, they're not bad. Yeah. Um, but the other part of it is I don't think Ole Miss – I'm not sold that Ole Miss is a great defensive team or a very good defensive team. Uh, and, and like I said, they're playing from ahead. So they don't mind. Okay, you run. Tank popped a couple of 50-yard runs. was a great game for Tank. Uh, Jarquez was very good as well. But – I, I don't think you can count on doing that every time out, but I'm concerned with the the inability to stop to to seem to be able to slow other teams down when they start doing something. Yeah, and uh, to get back to the original thing, I, I do think the February uh, investigation certainly hurt his you know recruiting and portaling and that kind of stuff. But even before that, the recruiting was suffering. We can go back to the January um, junior day they had that was a complete bust. And then we've also got to take into consideration that he has some culpability in what happened in February, too. You know, that was a investigation into his actions, whether wrong or right or, or, or whatever happened. I, I don't know all the details there, but, um, you know, to act like that was just some sort of um, booster thing, trying to overthrow him is not being accurate about the situation that ha- that happened. I would say boosters took advantage of that some boosters that didn't want him there took advantage and tried to add fuel to the fire but boosters did not start that right and and who was right in the and when you look back on now who who was in the right yeah that's uh i mean um there's there's so much in this and i'm and there are and and um you know I, i know a couple of people uh and you know we 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 hear we hear from one uh or so occasionally that uh that that are, are are very much on the other side. I mean, say, you know, you've got you've got to give you've got to give him a chance. And that's why I was saying when Jeff was asking about is there any chance, ah, you have to say that yeah, the new AD, whenever an AD is announced, um, that if it's if it's not Rich McGlynn, that you couldn't expect them to step in and immediately, you know, fire someone because then. The, how how would you feel about that person's autonomy if a brand new if a brand new AD were to step in and fire someone? A, th- a third season, though, I-, I think is a different proposition. Like we were saying earlier in the show, than than firing Brian Harson at midseason. The question of will will Brian right, well Harsin- the rest of it depends if he finishes the season how the rest of the season goes. That's true. That's true. It just it seems at the moment like w- whether it's whether it's now or whether it's in a couple of weeks there's there's no momentum for a third season from where we sit but you're right some of that's going to depend on on what the uh on, on what auburn's new athletic director decides to do and uh, and and how the season finishes up but but no i'm just uh, i'm i'm not sure uh uh i i don't see much much hope for a third season of of brian harson at, at the helm and, and i could see why there's an appetite kind of on all sides for uh, for for a change uh, if if things continue trending even with some of the offensive progress on Saturday if, if things continue trending the way they're trending right now it just seems like at, at the end of the season it's it's going to be uh, uh it, it it's going to be uh, difficult to argue well it it's going to be you had asked this question it's going to be really interesting to see the reaction at 11 o'clock uh 2 weeks from now on on the, that Saturday the um 29th, I guess, is what it is, right? Uh, on on uh, the Arkansas games, an 11 o'clock game. With that being an 11 o'clock game, and Auburn having you know lost three straight, I just wonder what kind of crowd and the 
attitude of the crowd. Yeah, I mean, we have not seen an Auburn home team, you know, an Auburn home crowd turn on no. the the coaching staff or the team or anything like that. There were some boo birds at times during Missouri and LSU when, when the offense struggled, but nothing overwhelming. Uh, I, I think that Arkansas could be a slightly different proposition, although the offense did play better Saturday, which could limit that a little bit. Maybe there's still some hope among uh, among the Auburn diehards that you know this team is going to. And it's not like Arkansas has been a juggernaut this year either. No, right? like I mean, if this were a uh, if, if this were a game that that felt hopeless on the surface, I would think maybe you could see a, a, a very uh, a significantly reduced number of people deciding to show up, and you could see the people who show up decide to uh, uh, to, to voice their displeasure with the way things are going. I imagine the crowd could be, and it's Halloween weekend it's coming off the bye week That's right i think you could see a decent crowd on, on saturday morning I, I i'd be shocked if it was a, a mass exodus or anything like that of, of fans not deciding to show up the second part of your question how will the coaching staff and the team be received um i think with a hot start you, you know you could have the fans behind you the whole time i think you go you know if, if, if some of the if some of the offensive problems were to pop back up or Arkansas were to start out uh, with a uh, you know with 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 a surprisingly hot start, uh, then you could absolutely I, I think that's that could be the breaking point where you start to hear the fans uh, may, maybe more more than they have at any point in Jordan Hare Stadium during the Brian Hurston era uh, start to to voice their displeasure with how things are going and could start to to see more of a negative reaction. Uh, from, from the <laughs> if, if Arkansas faithful. comes in and runs for four hundred and fifty yards, or if Arkansas comes be, in and runs for over three hundred yeah, yards, Fred Talley, I mean, what if yeah, Fred Talley yeah. shows up Oof. and, and run. yeah, those teams never ran for four hundred yards. No, no, they didn't. That, that I mean, the two thousand six game with with Darren McFadden and Felix Jones and Peyton Hillis. With Gus Malzahn as the offensive coordinator, that team didn't run for, no. for 400 yards against Auburn, even though it felt like it. Right? It felt like yeah. It, the the, like the last to, last time a team came close to doing this to Auburn was the 1971 Sugar Bowl with uh, Jack Meldron, Joe Wiley, Leon Crosswhite, and Greg Pruitt. Well, that was a pretty good. That was geez. a pretty good how Oklahoma. Ma- team. How many did they have? What, what, what did they? 439. Okay. So I was going to say, I think I think the Malzahn or not the uh, the Manzel. The Manziel 2012 A and M team got to 350 or so, I think, on the ground. Could have had a whole lot more. Could I mean that? Yeah. That's a, that that's, was 40, not 42 at the half. That was, was 42 bad. at the half. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of those rushing yards might have been in the second half after they were done. Although a lot of them were in the first half with Manziel running around getting uh, getting yards that way too. But but that was that was the first game that came to mind for me. But no, you're right. There there and and, and what was the other one? LSU. With Fournette. With uh, Fournette, yeah. yeah, yeah Fournette. That was the last one, I think, to rush for 400. Oh, good yeah. Lord, yeah. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, but again, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect, um, you know, w- what I think everyone needs to be watching for now is when the athletic director, the permanent athletic director is named, and then, ex- then, then expect it to be a little while. I'm not saying it, it would be the end of the season, but I, I would think it makes sense for there to be a little bit of time, for there to be some conversations and yeah. some uh, uh, some some thorough, you know, really investigating of, of what's going on and the direction of the program. 334-321-1390. We'll get to our final break of hour number one. Love for you to join in. We'll talk a little basketball when we come back. Auburn is in the preseason AP Top 25. We'll talk about that and more. Stick with us here on the Monday Drive. 
Let's get back to the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews. Got Drew at the controls, and yeah, we'd love for you to join in. All right, let's uh, let's shift to basketball a little bit. Auburn number fifteen in the preseason AP poll. Yeah, I, 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 to be honest with you, I think they're better than that. But we'll see. I do too. You know, the great thing about basketball is they play a full season. They play the tournament at the end, so it'll it'll all work out. But I just think basketball is going to be very competitive again, very good, a very fun team. Uh, Neville Arena is going to be rocking again this season. It's just going to be it's a fun sport to cover at Auburn. It's a fun sport to be a part of. Uh, Bruce Pearl does a great job. And funny that, uh, you know, in Bruce Pearl's program, we never hear about boosters meddling or problems with the boosters, right? Why no, you're that? right. Because they got a good coach running the program. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that's just such an easy fallback. It's just go, well, it's the boosters, those meddling yeah. boosters. Yeah. What have the boosters? All right, so as I... I, again, I I said um, folks could f- try to throw add fuel to the fire. This was a basketball in, segment. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I can't help it. We're gonna get no. It. Get into it. Get into it. I mean, there's no doubt that um, there was some gas thrown on the fire back in February, trying to uh, get as much heat as possible on Brian Harson. But yeah. I want to Brian Matthews. What has Brian Harson not been allowed to do? What have boosters kept Brian Harson from doing? I have no idea. I mean, he's he's surrounded himself with the coaches that he wants. He's been able to bring in. There's more support staff yeah, than there's ever, ever been ever. at Auburn. The only argument to me, <clears throat> the only argument that would be somewhat persuasive would be, like you said, Brian, if you want to give Brian Harson a mulligan for year one, and you want to blame the boosters and the investigation and you know other stuff and give Brian Harson a pass for the reason there's not more talent on year two like that that would maybe be like if you want to give the lion's share of the blame for that to the boosters if you want to give the lion's share of of, of there not being Auburn, Auburn not having more success in the transfer portal I just need to see evidence that it's the boosters fault that Brian Harson and his staff haven't been more effective on the recruiting trail, not just with high schoolers, but also in the portal, because it's not just... At- well, what was the mantra in the preseason? Just watch. Yeah. Right, it wasn't, we're still rebuilding, we're still remaking just the team watch. in my image, you know, with, with there, there were long-standing problems that my staff and I are working to address, and it's going to be a, a long, <laughs> no. hard road. No, it, it, I, I it, believe I I I think there, or at least the oh, impression I got was me, the that, feeling that column's coming. Not yet, but yeah. it's coming. Uh, but I mean, I, I, don't you don't you uh, don't you think that the feeling was that oh, this team's going to be much better? At least that's what we were led to believe. That's what what we were, yes, that's what we expected. Because it's what we're not going to see. They're is, close. You're not, but you're not going to see Brian Kelly blaming Ed Orgeron. Like that that's not gonna work in year two at LSU, right? Like Billy Napier's not gonna be able to to cite uh, uh Dan Mullen 
as the reason. It was Dan Mullen, right? I had, yeah, to, think it was. About, I had to think about it for a second. I was like, was that Dan? It feels like a long time ago. I almost said McIlwain. Uh, it was. It was the uh, yeah. Billy Nate. Like these these other coaches who are in year one right now. Like they're not going to be able to blame. I mean, do, do you give do you give Jeremy Pruitt credit? For Tennessee, I mean, because they're good in year two, the previous no, time. I mean, well, a couple of the guys, I mean, yeah, a few of those guys were his. No, it just, it just seems to me like we've, we've, ch- and, and that's something that's different from five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago in college football, right, guys? Like, it wasn't, in, in year two, it was sort of expected that you were going to have to, uh, you know, it, it was, even, even, it could take time and coaches were going to get some, uh, some rope. They were going to get some uh, leniency. It, now, because of the portal and because the avenues available, you, you need to be showing signs of life midway yeah. through year two. <laughs> and and this program, like I I understand when people wonder like wh- where's the progress, where's the wh- where is the evidence yeah. that 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 this project will will turn around if Brian Harson and company are given a year three. Well. Uh, to be honest with you, I think the roster right now that's scheduled to be back in year three, and we don't know what's going to happen in the portal and, and the rest of recruiting, but I think it's probably the worst roster Auburn's had since I've started covering this team. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's Mm-mm. that's because they're guys that can't come back. Right. I mean, I, I still think this is no worse than middle-of-the-pack talent right now mm-hmm. on the roster. But, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of experience, and you're not – you're not building any depth. You're not getting a lot of experience for for many of the younger players. Right. Meddling boosters aren't the reason a bunch of players left after the 2021 season in the transfer portal. Meddling boosters aren't the reason, including your starting quarterback. Uh, meddling boosters aren't the reason that players didn't decide to come fill those roles. Significant impact players didn't decide to come fill those roles uh, in the in the transfer portal in January and February uh, and beyond. And uh, meddling boosters aren't the reason Auburn is three and four right now. Like I, I sort of I understand why folks want to uh, at times prescribe that as the reason when someone isn't producing, but I just I don't see it. Like I don't I don't see how any of those things are, uh, you know. And, and and it just feels like that's something that folks want to use to uh, to 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 excuse a coach who it, it seems like it's becoming increasingly difficult to excuse the results. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Anything you want to talk about sports wise? Basketball. Well, I was going to say there, there were there were some there were some other pretty interesting things. There were some crazy games all across college football. We mentioned the Alabama Tennessee game, but it see, it seemed like in a lot of games it was taking a lot of points to win. It was it seemed like a more offensive. Saturday than I could recall in a long time. Sure, and the SEC is bad. I mean, LSU having to score 45 to win mm-hmm. at Florida, they, they you know were able to uh, start producing there. Mississippi State didn't have. No, they that, didn't. That I production. was way off on that yeah. one. Yeah. Right. It we, was, all, we pretty much all missed that one. Right. And uh, Kentucky was able to get a big win for Mark Stoops mm-hmm. and, and Mississippi State. Now, it's not the week you want to set back, right? Now you have to. Now you have to get back to the drawing board and dust yourself off, and you're facing an Alabama team that just lost, and they're going to Yeah, be... you know what happened the last time they faced an Alabama team coming off a loss last year? 49-9 to it was, and that was in Starkville. Um, Alabama's about a three-touchdown favorite in this, and I, I've, yeah. I've, got, I've got a strong feeling they're going to cover. Won't be surprised. By yeah. the way, the, speaking of next week's lines, and I know we'll, we'll get back to this, this upcoming, or what we saw this past Saturday, but... How about LSU favored at home against uh, against yeah, number seven that. Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean LSU a team that they did just beat 
I don't. I really don't. I really don't know. I mean, that one is. Uh, I, I've. I'm not sure what to expect in that one. We get some good football on Saturday. Between that and oh, well, yeah, whatever right. happens, whatever happens in state uh, Alabama remains to be uh, remains to be seen. What we're going to see there, but Will you know. Rogers needs to just uh, you know have have one of those video game kind of games against Alabama. Also, that's we, not a good matchup. I don't think we learned this past Saturday that Penn State. Isn't yeah, isn't, no, isn't a national championship nope. caliber team? No, they gave up how many yards rushing? Four hundred and eighteen. Yeah, Auburn didn't quite do that against them. Not I think quite. Auburn had one nineteen against them. So three hundred yard difference. Yeah, no, two ninety nine. I can do that. It's, I can under, do that. it's under three hundred. I can do that math. Then. All right, we're 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 halfway. We didn't mention the Braves. No, <laughs> let's not. Well, yeah, I was I was trying not to trying not to add or, insult or the Dodgers. Let's be that let's, is right. Let's be fair. And the Yankees can join if they lose tonight. Uh, let's have please, you know. Do. Yeah, they they probably will back at home after they win in uh, Cleveland yesterday. Yeah, and so in the American League, you've got those beloved Astros. Oh yes, are the yeah. only team that is cruised as a favorite. Everybody else struggling. All right, we, we're halfway done. Here on the Monday Drive, come on in and join us in hour number two. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. Nugs, fries, and a drink. All for just five bucks. That was smooth, wasn't it? That's how you're going to feel when you get that biggie bag at Wendy's. U.S. price and participation may vary. Includes four-piece nuggets, small soft drink, and small fry. Prices may be higher in Alaska and Hawaii. consecutive night. The spotlight in baseball's postseason is on the Yankees and Guardians in the ALDS. They've got a winner-take-all game five tonight. Cleveland's bullpen well-rested and ready. On the Yankees' side, which relievers manager Aaron Boone utilizes comes down to one thing, explains ESPN's Buster Olney. Who does Aaron Boone trust after Jamison Tyone? We know that they love Juan Peralta. Who cares that he threw 27 pitches in Game 3? Who cares that he uh, wound up pitching in Game 4? It's about trust. They really trust him, and they really trust Nestor Cortez. He's one of their starting pitchers because they feel like he pitches with such heart. ESPN radio coverage of Game 5, bottom of the hour. Washington quarterback Carson Wentz will have surgery today on his right ring finger. The team not yet sure how much time he may miss. As Cardinals receiver Marquise Brown undergoes further testing to determine the extent of his foot injury, Arizona today acquired receiver Robbie Anderson from the Panthers for a 2024 six-rounder and 2025 seventh-rounder. Anderson kicked out of yesterday's game by Carolina interim coach Steve Wilkes following sideline arguments with his position coach. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive offers a great price and round-the-clock protection when bundling home and auto. It's one of those rare times where you can save money and get something great. Bundle today at Progressive.com. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. 
The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Monday Drive. Bill, Dan, Brian Matthews, MarburnSports.com. Before we get to other business, Brian, uh, talk a little bit about everything going on there at AuburnSports.com and how folks can uh, uh, get access to everything. I appreciate that. And uh, no uh, football media this week, no interviews. So, That's right. Uh, we'll still have some football content and recruiting. Brian but, uh, Harson's uh, going across the state. He spoke to the Birmingham Quarterback Club wow. Touchdown Club at noon, wow. and he's speaking to the Mobile Quarterback Club, I think, as we speak. Great. Good job. Um, yeah, way to go. Um, and, but we'll have uh, maybe some extra basketball and baseball coverage this week as, as they continue a basketball preseason. Um, hey, how about baseball on Saturday? They were down. Was they were 11 down eleven to two. Eleven to two. Okay. Eleven to two, and came wow. back and, and beat Louisiana Tech twelve to eleven. As I was sitting in uh, Vaught Hemingway Stadium, I was kind of wishing I was back here and I was watching <laughs> baseball. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, I can imagine. So uh, yeah, so tons of stuff there, uh, and got another. Uh, still going to do a rundown even without uh, oh, yeah. a ball game this week. We'll be together oh, that's uh, good. tomorrow at Voodoo and enjoy some good food and some good times, and see if I get wrestled at all. We'll see. Uh, that's, and the, uh, that, that's likely, I mm. would think. All right, hour number two of the drive just getting underway, and it's brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to uh, for. Orthopedic Care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika, on the web at orthoclinic.com. And we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, and the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast. You can get the podcast however you listen to podcasts. Search for The Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform. Google uh, The Drive with Bill Cameron podcast, and it comes up that way. So if you don't even, if you, you, don't even need, you don't even need to know what a podcast is. If you just type The, dri- <laughs> just type the Drive with Bill Cameron and you'll podcast. you'll still be able to listen to it. Into, right. into Google, like yep. the third thing that pops up is a little play button, and that'll be the most recent episode. It's amazing what the Google folks are doing. You can also get it from uh, uh, RadioAlabama.net. Go to the Podcast Center at ESPN 106.7, uh, the ESPN 106.7 tab. That's all presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. As always, big shout-out to them. I don't know if we're doing Tiger Takes because it's the bye week. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. Uh, we, 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 will, we will effort uh, John Samuel Schinker. Uh, but but yeah, we, normally we talk with John Samuel on Mondays uh, at five thirty. Tiger takes brought to you by the Alsobrook Law Group. So uh, we'll do that. In the meantime, let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline, and Terry gets us started this hour. Hey, Terry. Good afternoon, guys. How y'all today? Doing pretty well. Bill, did I detect a little bit of sarcasm there when you mentioned the Astros? And I grew up an Astros fan. So. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I did. I would just say the perception from uh, from a lot of folks is. Uh, you know they're they're not they're not everybody's favorite team. I've never I've never minded the Astros, but that was uh that was back before the uh the, you trash know, the sign stealing so there goes the, the trash can again, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, do you guys think I would be out of line or out, out of saying if Auburn High brings Harson back for a third year, they're waving an enormous white flag of surrender? 
I don't think he'd be out of line. I'd, yeah, uh, I mean, it just it feels really unlikely. I mean, certainly with the evidence we have now. I mean, I think if there was a drastic turnaround in the final month of the season and Brian Harson and company put together a really compelling argument that things aren't trending in the wrong direction, that would be different. But right now, I mean, earlier in the this show... This continues? Yeah, I mean, r- right now I'm at, I'm at about 0%, Terry, as far as my interest in, in this continuing for a third year. I'm not as... Like, I, I don't think it's as drastic as, oh, you got to fire him right now versus... Like, I think as long as it doesn't disrupt the timing of your coaching search. I think it largely doesn't matter whether you fire a coach now or you fire him at the at the end of the regular season after the twelfth game. Like as long as you know it, it doesn't delay your coaching search, you know, for for the next guy, that doesn't matter too much to me. But as far as Brian Harson getting a third year, based on what we've seen th- thus far in his tenure, no, I I, I don't think uh no, I, I don't think I don't think it's it seems likely at all, and I, and I would agree. Yeah, I mean, it, you're you're right to assume the worst if if, if it happens. Hey, it goes back to what what goes back to what Dan was saying earlier. I mean, uh, about um, looking at the rest of this season. I mean, if this can if this continues, if Auburn goes, who's Auburn going to beat in conference? I have no idea. I mean, I mean, do you, do you think do you think Auburn? I mean, maybe they can beat Arkansas. I, I mean, if Will Rogers gets hurt, maybe they've got a chance. Arkansas scored fifty two points. I know they did. I'm against, not, against, I'm not, I know they did. I wouldn't assume they're going to beat Western Kentucky. So I mean, so yeah. So if if Auburn goes, what are they three and four now? If Auburn goes four and eight or three and nine, no and and their and their only conference win is a miracle because Missouri just couldn't. You know, couldn't handle the thought of winning. I can't imagine uh, that continuing. But see, I, you know, Dan just mentioned you know, you, the, the talk of firing coach during the season. Nobody ever likes that. But if you give him a third year, that's exactly what you're staring in the face of. Oh, certainly. No, and I think the argument, the question of whether or not Brian Harson should lose his job immediately or should, you know, the, the difference between firing him now or firing him at the end of the season is a different argument than should Brian Harson get a third year, right? Because I, and, and if, I mean, I don't know. The, the folks arguing in favor of a Brian Harson third year are are seeing something different than than, than right. what I've seen, you know, through the first year and a half or so. And and I'm you know not not I'm not totally sure what's going on there. But the uh, but no, it just yeah, it just seems like things are trending in the in the wrong direction at the moment. And Bill, I'm glad you brought it up because I've I've talked about it several times today. Ole Miss is not any better on defense in my opinion. I mean, Auburn just just basically did what they wanted. They 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 may be a little better lining up. Maybe they got in the weight room more. I don't know. But as far as scheme-wise, no. You're going to have to outscore them because Auburn just put up huge numbers. The best numbers that offense has put up all year long against them. Mm-hmm. Now, they may be better in some aspects of the game that I don't know. So study. They're not capable of, of not, don't have the knowledge and the capability of knowing. But, you know, they're not, to me, they're not better when Auburn, when Auburn rushes for 300 yards. No, I mean, who, who is the uh, – all right. Uh, Ole Miss is it's reminiscent of of the early Gus Malzahn team. Yeah, it's reminiscent right. of who's, who's the be, who's the best offense Ole Miss has played thus far? Maybe Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's not. I, I mean, know. that was and, and wasn't that with a banged up uh, Will Levis? Is it Troy? I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it might be Troy on opening day. I mean, no, it, it's. Uh, I mean, I was raising questions about the Ole Miss schedule. I mean, it, it's very backloaded. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, start, starting Saturday when they're an underdog at LSU, uh, they're going to be in some. They're going to be in some. In some. In some games that it seems like they could lose, uh, despite being uh, more or less heavy favorites uh, in in the first seven games of the season. So we'll know more about Ole Miss uh, towards the end. But uh, that offense is is pretty dangerous. I mean. And there are oh yeah, well any Lane Kiffin right. offense with 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 
a semblance of talent is going to be dangerous. And there are teams that have been able to run the ball with a couple of different threats and, and put up a lot of points that way. It's not the preferred way these days that teams try to score a lot of points, but if you can do it, um, it, it's it's really tough to stop, and it does seem like Ole Miss does have that going for them. Well, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on this. That's the last thing here. Hey, do you think Lane Kiffin's next stop is the NFL? Because I do. I think the Chargers or the Ra- Ra- Raiders or the 49ers come calling at some point. He's a West Coast guy, I think. I wouldn't be surprised. Would not be surprised at all. The Ra- well, the guy There's always th- Jerry Jones. Yeah, well, the, well no, <laughs> right. that's, and that's that's the guy I keep bringing up. You know, that's um, that's an interesting question, Terry. Appreciate the phone call. We, we didn't really have this conversation with Brian uh, last week. We talked about it a little bit on the air, but the notion of, like, Lane Kiffin does appear to be, uh, stop me if you think I'm wrong, Brian, but it, if you if you were to take a, an informal poll of Auburn fans as to who they'd like to see coaching next year's team, Lane Kiffin might be the most popular choice out there. And I think for a lot of folks, it's just sort of assumed that if Auburn were to make their best offer because Auburn's had so much more success than Ole Miss historically in football, that Lane Kiffin would jump from Ole Miss to Auburn. And I've had doubts over the last week or so, and maybe longer than that, uh, as to whether that's as, as uh, you know, it, it's, it, whether it's easier said than done. And whether Lane Kiffin has a lot going for him now at Ole Miss that may uh, preclude him from leaving. But also, yeah, there's no, no, there's no question. There's a question of wondering, like, what does what does Lane Kiffin want? Does he want? Yeah. To, what are his long? Yeah, does, what are his right. long term plans? He want, does he want to be the best Ole Miss coach since integration? Does he want to? Is there a specific college job he wants to jump for someday? Uh, or, does he want to go to the NFL? Or like Back Terry was saying, does he want to be an NFL head coach? Like, what what are your thoughts on? I guess Lane Kiffin's hireability. You know, if 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 it were decided that he were Auburn's, like, what what do you think the chances are? Or, like, I don't, how, how do you ask this question, Bill? Like, what what do you think? The chances. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on Lane's chances of being Auburn's next coach, and what you think of of the the possibility of Lane Kiffin leaving. I, well, I think he's a candidate for sure, and Auburn would probably offer uh, Lane a lot more than Ole Miss can offer from uh, just a a football program standpoint. Looking over the long term, you know, um, maybe not like right away, uh, but there is a brand new football performance center that's going to be ready to move in here in probably December, January, uh, maybe even earlier than that. Um, and, you know, Auburn traditionally is a program that can compete for national championships. So if, if that's a route he, he wants and, and Auburn wants him, yeah, I think it's a possibility. But I, don't, I, I can't speak for Lane and what he wants. I have no idea. And he, he's not one that shares, uh, shares stuff. No, like no, that he, he's and, – and that's something. People think, <laughs> I think, because of his presence on Twitter, social media, that, is, yeah. that uh, oh, he's just out there hanging out with, with everybody no. all the time. Lane's more of a – private he's much more of a yeah. private guy i mean um i mean he's been called aloof yeah. but i mean he's he's got a very quick wit and he's sharp yes. and sarcastic but that doesn't mean that he's just uh out there and, and people are going to see him out and about and right. be able to hang with him right. he's not a man of people like bruce pearl definitely definitely a different type of um and and personality. And, and the other thing yeah i mean it's it's really interesting because right now with the situation he has at old miss there's uh there, there's no need i you know Last year was the year where you thought, look at all the guys that he's losing. He's losing right. that whole backfield. You know, how's he, how's he going to be able to uh, come back and do that? With three new, with a, a new quarterback and new running backs, he's doing it yep. again. So, I mean, there's no rush, I don't think, for him to get out of Oxford. Right. 334-321-1390. And uh, let's get back to the phone. And Alan is next. Hey, Alan. Hey, guys. Um, what? What do you think is keeping um, Parsons from utilizing Ashford 
similar to way uh, Ole Miss used that quarterback? Is it Tom, ball security or is it fear yeah. of injury? I'm talking about zone read. And, uh, yeah, yeah, to me that would open up the offense so much better, and I think you nailed it. It's ball security. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, and we've seen it. You know, Auburn is last in the country in uh, turnover margin, and a lot of those um, you know, interceptions and fumbles have been uh, Robbie Ashford. I just think that's he just has not – uh, matured enough where he holds on the ball and you can trust him to make those decisions. I think that's a great point. I think you've got to be you've got to be confident enough of his ability to make that. I mean, we saw it the other day with a fake uh was it a fake to tank and he just dropped yeah. and he just dropped the ball after after bringing it back to himself. Man, if you're running the zone read, you're doing that constantly and it's got to be right. uh done with much better sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be confident in his ability you, you know you're confident in, in, in his ability to run, but it's being able to either leave the ball with the back or pull it back and then you know make that right read and then either give it or keep it without dropping it. I think you'd have to develop that in the offseason. I don't think that's something that he can just uh, you know flip the switch right now. Um, you know, Again, maybe uh, you assess his talent when he came in in spring and say uh, he can do this and, and you work on that part of the offense for months and months and maybe he's uh, able to do it now, but that didn't happen. And... Um, you know, I, I'm not saying he could pick it up or not. You know, I, I don't remember when it was in the game, but there was a, I, I thought they ran a zone read against Ole Miss, and he, he kept the ball and got smashed in the backfield. And if he would have just handed it to, I think it was Tank. Mm-hmm. I think it was Tank. Uh, he, had, he had some free space out there. Uh, so I, I just I don't know if that's his strength right now. Okay. All right, thanks. Appreciate the call, Alan. It's a reminder, too, that this, this team uh, was not planning on oh, being no, a no. team all offseason. The plan was not... Let's be a team quarterback by Robbie Ashford. That's sort of running. Yeah, let's face it. Robbie was the the newcomer, sort of the the new kid on the block. It was it was Zach and TJ were the guys which were which fit much more into that uh, pro style. Although yeah. TJ Finley is apparently healthy enough to play. Uh, so you know, based on the fact that he went into the game on Saturday, so you know, if if that was the original plan and TJ Finley beat Robbie Ashford out in the off season. Uh, then you you do you do wonder you know if if they've if they've decided after a couple of weeks that the best option is for Robbie Ashford to be the quarterback and for you don't know what's going on right but I mean it's it's uh, I think they've decided that they've, they've decided to go with Ashford don't you Brian yeah, yeah uh, absolutely that doesn't seem yeah. like doesn't seem that like is, there's much of an appetite to go back to T J Finley no. and uh, or, or or a belief that you know going back to T J Finley would improve things at all uh, now yeah now it's a matter of can can they keep adjusting with a, now, now how much a, can you change the offense in two weeks. Yeah, I just, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up going back to Finley just because of the play of the quarterbacks in general. It's just not very good, but I don't think they want to. But you know, hey, you know what? They've got uh, they've got three more games they could play Holden Gurner. Yeah, but again, I'd be I'd be concerned about that because uh, you know uh, he could get hurt, he could develop bad habits. I'd I'd, I'd yeah. still like to see some guys out there that have the that have games left. In their red shirt, where you could still redshirt them and put them out there, I guess. As long as a concern- you put them in a good situation, right, right? Right. Don't don't put them in with a game on the line with all the pressure on them, right. uh, so that if something goes wrong, it like it could break them. Yeah. Is there is there a um, how much how much credit does Jeremiah Wright get for for the way he played on on Saturday? Uh, the fact that it did seem like well, I, I saw a couple, what I, I saw a couple of people saying that I think his, his PA PFF score was one of the top that Auburn's had this year in the run game. Right, and Auburn rushes for 300 yards for the yeah. first time since right. the 2017 season. Right. So I mean, there's, uh, I mean, there, there's, there's, 
there is if you're looking for glimmers of hope or like we were saying on Friday, you know, guys that could be part of the solution long term. Yeah, he's one of the guys we mentioned. Yeah, Jer- Jeremiah Wright gets on the field and, and does get to uh, yeah. does get to play well, and, and you wonder what took so long. <laughs> uh, uh, it took that know. long for enough guys to get hurt. I, I, guess, I don't know. I guess so. All right, we'll, we'll get to our first break of hour number two. Come on in and join us as we continue here on the Monday Drive. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Monday afternoon. Bill, Dan, and Brian Matthews from and, uh, yeah, we'd love to, love to hear from you. What did you think about Saturday? What do you think about the future here of Auburn football? What do you think? All right, Alabama or the loss? Um, who is the uh, – are they still your favorite in the SEC West? Yeah, yeah I think probably. so. Probably. Yes, yeah. I do. Now, the East is much more interesting for Tennessee. Oh, Georgia. you're not kidding. I mean, that's that's going to be a great game. I think they play the first the – First of November. November. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, got a, well, I got another one for you. If what do you do with an eleven and one Tennessee team? If Tennessee's only loss is Georgia, and you're the playoff committee, what, and, they'd and probably get in. Tennessee's I would not think that's so. the way they would treat Georgia or uh, Alabama, Alabama in the same position. Is, does, if Tennessee loses to Georgia and wins the rest of their games and finishes eleven and one with the, with that win Saturday, yeah, could did, I would, did, did I would think a, yes. How could you not? Uh, so I mean, so now you're. I mean, it's it's not just about beating Georgia for the Tennessee Volunteers. It's about, I mean, they, they winning, may, winning the rest of them for sure. Yeah, may, Maybe they have a path to, uh, to, to, uh, to the postseason uh, beyond that. But no, certainly that win on Saturday open, makes things very, very interesting in the SEC. Because the other thing's true too. I mean, if, if Georgia were to go 11-1 and one and their one loss were to be uh, to the Tennessee Volunteers, you know, you, you wonder what the playoff committee would do with that, with the defending national champions. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting in the SEC East with about a month left in the season. 334-321-1390. Let me correct something I said a while ago. Uh, I had missed one game of the 2012. Boy, that, that's a very – that's a season you wanted to push, yeah. you know, and not, not even think about. The therapy's working. But, but Ole Miss, Ole Miss – Scored over 40 that year along with Texas A&M and Alabama. So this is the second time that an Auburn team has ever allowed 40 points in three different games. But again, the season's not over. A&M almost, did it. A&M almost did it twice. Third or fourth time, in it, in history? That they've allowed 40 in three games? Yes. I don't think they they've, never allowed, they've never allowed four. Well, I, I looked in it in 50. I, 50 I think, they only uh, allowed twice. I think... Uh, Brandon Marcello. Oh, okay. This on I may have missed. Media. You know why? Because when I went and looked back through Auburn's record book, some year they list the the winning score first, and they list a higher score first, even uh, when I it's a loss. Yeah. And other times they'll list Auburn's score first. So I was looking, trying to look through, and sometimes if Auburn lost twenty-one to seven, it might say seven to twenty-one. But in other years, they would put 21-7 to and a loss. Mm-hmm. So it makes it difficult. So, yeah, I could be wrong there. But I, I am pretty sure that, yeah, I agree with Auburn's never allowed 40 points yeah. in a game four, four times. times in a season. And they've done it three times with four more conference games. And Western Kentucky used, what, they put up 70 uh, a few weeks ago. So now there's still the possibility. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Spectre is up next. Hey, Spectre. Hey, guys. Who do you think would have a better defense, Missouri or Ole Miss? Missouri. Right, exactly. Now, so that with that being said, 
you think Auburn's offense has got to act together in this particular game? I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think they. I think they found a better combination there for run blocking. I think Jeremiah Wright and Brandon Council give them a couple of road graders yeah. there inside, which they really didn't have earlier this season. They had Brandon, right. you know, at a guard. And I think Auburn only attempted 17 passes on Saturday. I think that, mm-hmm. that cutting down on the number of attempts you expect out of Ashford and trying to run the ball more on first and second down, whether it's with Ashford or with one of the two running backs, is probably a better approach than leaning on Ashford's arm uh, to, uh, to to move the football. Uh, so, so I think that would also represent some progress. I thought it was a big mistake when those – um, that, that final drive, Auburn had 12 plays. They didn't attempt any runs. That, like, they were all call passes. I know Robbie Ashford ran on some of them, but I, I just thought that was a mistake. The way they were running the ball, they, they needed to have tank in the game and they needed to give him the ball. Anything else, Spectre? <clears throat> Y'all there? Yeah, yeah. Thought I lost you there for a minute. Uh, Look, did y'all watch the Auburn football review? No, I looked for it yesterday. Uh, As a matter of fact, I looked yesterday morning. I looked yesterday afternoon. Apparently, it didn't get put up until last night. Well, it was on yesterday afternoon. Well, yesterday morning. I looked on YouTube. That's usually where I find it. But uh, oh, do you watch? Do you watch on? Do you watch on local TV, Spectre? It's on Charter Cable. Right. Yeah, I don't have Charter, so that's where yeah. I usually have to try to watch it on YouTube. Auburn does post it on its YouTube channel, though. That's usually how we watch it, too. Yeah, right. But anyway, what my point is, uh, there in the beginning, they were interviewing uh, Tank, and they was talking to him, and he says, look, he says the coaches did their job. We didn't do our job. And well, that's that's spoken like a, a true competitor. I mean, coaches usually will say they didn't do their job. I mean, and players generally. I mean, the your your really stand up guys are going to put it on themselves. Well, exactly. What my point to that comment he made was he didn't have to say the coaches did their job. If he felt like he did, they didn't do their job, he could have said nothing at all about the coaches. That's true, but I, these guys that came back, Specter, I mean, they really, really support Brian Harson. There's no question about that. I, I believe that too, and but I also believe that these players have got to have some credibility for what they do, and and they do good jobs at at, at times, but other times, I mean, it's it's actually drive killers what happens to them when tj came in and as experienced as he is he drops the ball and of course ashford did the same thing again so we we got nothing else to to rely on but ashford now no i I think you're right I don't think TJ is coming back as a starter. I'd, I'd be very surprised. Spectre, the reason I tend to put more accountability on coaches than players in these situations is because if a player is not getting his, if a player is not getting it done, isn't it the job of the coach to put in someone who can? And if you don't have anyone who, and if you don't have anyone who can, isn't that a dereliction of duty on the part of the coach? Well, you can't put in a cheerleader there, Dan. I mean, if you ain't got anybody that can do any better than the guy that's in there already. What's the point? Well, what's that, that's one of the things we've talked about, though. The biggest problem has been not replenishing or upgrading the talent. Yeah, I understand all that. But but you got to, the players that are there. I hear this time and time again. we got better athletes 
than so and so. Well, here, here, Specter, here, here's what I was talking about earlier. You hadn't seen, you'd been asking about Jeremiah Wright, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. All that's right. right. All right. And we hadn't seen him. We hadn't seen him. They put him in there, and it turns out, wow, he's a better run blocker than anybody we've had. Why haven't we seen those guys? Exactly. You remember when I Well, that's the coaches. The players can't put themselves in the game. I called in before the Penn State game. I said to you, I said, Harson has got to pull all stops with this offensive line. He's got to... He's got to put players in there that they, the other team has never seen before. He's got to make things happen. And exactly what, that's what he did with Mississippi now. He puts right in there and things happen. Now, what's, what happens in two weeks, is, is he going to have the same offensive line or the guys that come back healthy are going to go back in there in status quo again? Well, the other thing they've got to do is they've got to put some guys in there on the defensive line. Those guys are, are worn out. By the end of every ball game, and as Brian said, yeah. it, it's cumulative. It's starting to add up week after week after week. They've got some highly touted young defensive linemen that they just don't play for some reason. Appreciate the phone call, Specter. Good stuff. We're, we're right up against it here on the break. And, and yeah, I mean, mentioning earlier, only five defensive linemen playing a snap on Saturday against a team running ninety plays yeah. uh, from the uh, from, from and, the offensive end. And real quick, Marcelo tweeted this on a Saturday. Uh, Auburn tied the school record for allowing forty points in. in in three games in one season. Other seasons, they've done that 1948, 2011, 2012. Oh, I didn't realize 11 yeah. as well. Wow. Yeah. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. We may have John Samuel Schenker. We will effort him. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk with him. Stick with us for the final half hour of the Monday Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Monday afternoon, and we're pleased to be joined for our weekly Tiger Take segment by Auburn senior captain tight end, that is uh, John Samuel Schenker. Tiger Takes brought to you by Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Uh, and when when we when when we want to uh, talk some some Auburn football and get straight. You know, from from somebody who is there involved very much, uh, we're pleased to be joined once again by John Samuel Schenker. John Samuel, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing all right, uh, man. A, a a shootout over in Oxford on uh, Saturday morning. Tough, uh, you know, getting into that that hole and trying to dig out. And it seemed like every time Auburn, um, you know, got close, never really got a chance to get the ball back down seven. Yeah, it was a shootout. Um, you know, we made mistakes early in the game, and that ended up being the difference at the end of the game was our turnovers and things like that because um, they got off to a good start. And we started off slow, but we did come back. We played really well later in the game. Um, really good run game. Tank Bigsby did really well. And, yeah, we just we came up short. Every time we answered, it seemed like they would try and grab the momentum back, and it was just kind of back and forth uh, for most of the game. 
It's bittersweet. I mean, it's 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 a loss in, in, in a game that I know you guys really wanted to sort of turn the momentum around. At the same time, I'm sure that you and, and some of the other offensive players can really be proud of the fact it's the most rushing yards for Auburn in a game since 2017, and uh, and it really seemed like it was uh, you know it was, it was a glimpse of you know some of the potential this this rushing uh, this rushing game could have uh, with uh, with Tank and Jarquez. You know what uh, what was working for you guys on the ground on Saturday. Yeah, well, we knew, you know, since the beginning of the year, if we can get those guys to the second level, they'll make people miss. And uh, that's what they did. We didn't allow any guys up front to touch it for the most part. Um, and once they got to the second level, we knew that, that was a mismatch. And our running backs were really, really good. We knew they'd take advantage of that, and they did. Um, that's what they're here to do. They played really well, like they always do. And um, if we can continue that, that's going to be really, really hard to stop for a lot of teams. Um, and then that will open up other things as well. Yeah, some changes there in the offensive line with uh, Jeremiah Wright, uh, Brendan Coffey uh, in in the in their starting and 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 uh, uh, I mean, as you said, they created some uh, some nice lanes, some some uh, gaps for Tank and Jarquez to run through. Yeah, specifically Jeremiah, I think he's really really good. He's had a lot of injuries that set him back, um, but I think he's a really good. He's a really really big guard, um, really powerful. So he was. It was a lot of fun to watch on film on Sunday, just moving guys, and that's it. I mean, if you can just move that front line and give our guys a scene, that's, that's what it's going to be all day is, is uh, Tank and Jarquez just running all over the field. So um, it was good to see that. Um, a lot we can build off of there um, as we move forward to the, to the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I thought the combination of uh, of Jeremiah and 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 uh, and Brandon there at at the center gives you a couple of guys that uh, are are pretty good road graders up front there inside. Yeah, they're huge. I mean, that's in the SEC you're gonna have to do that because you're gonna have D linemen that are they're pretty unique and special in this conference um, that are really really good uh, to have guys up there up front like that. They're really hard to move. It's it's a big advantage for us. Um, and I think Council's done a really good job at center at transition and knowing the offense and him and Coach Fran really communicating well and what, what needs to be called and things like that. So, yeah, it's been really good uh, these past few weeks. Talking with Auburn captain and uh, senior tight end John Samuel Schenker, record-breaking tight end. We'll get to that in just a little bit because we were uh, remiss not to mention it uh, uh, last week. John Samuel, there have been a couple times offensively this season, especially when you know now that Robbie's uh, taken over as as the quarterback, where it seems like things break down and uh, the uh, you know hope hope is all but lost on the play, and it turns into a really big gain. Robbie Ashford able to find a receiver or a tight end uh, in a uh, you know in, in an unlikely situation. The the Coy Moore catch on Saturday for forty six yards was was one of those where it just you know it seemed like things were uh, were really trending in the wrong direction, and, and Robbie Ashford able to make something out of it. Well, what what is it about uh, Robbie uh, that makes him dangerous in those situations? Well, people are starting to really respect um, his talent and the runner. So that, that creates a bit of an issue for defenses. So they start to bite up on him when he starts to scramble, and that leaves wide receivers open. That I think scramble drill is some of the biggest keys to any football game. If you watch any big game, really the Tennessee-Alabama game too as well, if, when those guys start to scramble and move around, that's when things open up because DBs lose track of their receivers and things like that. So, yeah, Robbie's really good at that. Um, and if we can continue to do that, that will create explosive plays down the field and it's really demoralizing for a defense when you can be able to do that. Well, it's, a, it's an open date coming up uh, this weekend. 
uh, very and 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 I'm, I'm sure you guys are really glad that uh, that it's here because you play seven straight weekends. It's very very physical. Just to talk about the the team's plans and uh, the, the way you approach an open date. Yeah, so we'll practice. It'll be a normal week. We'll practice Tuesday, Wednesday, and we'll do some stuff on Thursday. Um, and then we'll let our bodies rest um, until Sunday. So we'll get some time off. Um, this week is about us. So the guys that are dinged up, we'll get those guys healthy. You really have two weeks to get these guys healthy um, that are dinged up um, for us. And then um, we'll move on to Arkansas probably at the end of this week. Um, but for the most part, I'll just be focused on us and, and just things that we can do to get better as a team. We'll self-evaluate um, and see what where we can become a better football team. And then uh, once we get back next week, it's, it's on to Arkansas. Talking with John Samuel Schenker on the Monday edition of The Drive, as we normally do as part of Tiger Takes here in our number two. And, John Samuel, we should have mentioned this last week, and our, and our deepest apologies uh, for not uh, providing you with this recognition uh, just a week ago. But, but against Georgia, uh, you uh, you had four catches in the first half. I, I know you. The, the record was 63. You added to it with, uh, what is he up to now, 66, I think, uh, on, on, in, his, uh, in his career. Uh, but the you passed Cooper Wallace, uh, who had 63 catches uh, from 2002 to 2005. And you now sit alone atop the record book uh, with the most receptions for a tight end in an Auburn career. Uh, congratulations. Uh, how, how, uh, the, the, how meaningful is the record uh, for you? And, and of course, uh, how did you find out that you'd, uh, you'd broken it uh, a week ago? Yeah, thank you. I, uh, no, I, I had no idea um, that I was even remotely close. I, I didn't keep track. Nobody ever told me. And I get... Um, it's right after the Georgia game, obviously not in a great mood. And I get into media, and um, Miss Shelley Poe, our media um, counselor, um, she told me that, that I had set the record uh, today, early in the game, with the career reception. So that was an awesome honor um, to, to be a part of that history um, in Auburn forever, which is really cool and special. And I'll definitely, you know, hold that deep um, to my to my heart. Um, and especially when I look back on the season when it's over and, and be able to take that in fully. Yeah, well-deserved. Well Again, congratulations on that. Yes, sorry sorry that we missed that when we were talking about that. Um, it's it's an open date, and then the, the best thing about it is you're back at home. Talk about, talk about how tough it is to be on the road back-to-back. Yeah, it's tough, especially when you lose the first one, uh, and then you got to go back. Um, the road is just a different challenge. It's really, you know, it's you versus everyone else, which is it's also kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, you, you want to play at home as much as possible, get your crowd behind you. So we're excited to be back home uh, next week. We got Arkansas. I think it's an early game. It'll be 11 yep. o'clock kick. So um, we're looking forward to that. Yep, another Halloween weekend, too, so there's no telling. There's some crazy things that happen that can happen then. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more next week. Yeah, we wish wish we had some positive Braves uh, stuff to talk yeah, about with you, yeah. John Samuel. But that's that that's a disappointing one. I know you you maybe uh, found out about that after the game on on Saturday because they were going on at the uh, at the same time. You know, we were saying last week, and, and as as a baseball player uh, yourself, you might you might have some perspective on this, but I think people have this idea about the baseball postseason uh, that that teams are you know that that the teams that dominate the regular season should just cruise 
in, in the postseason. But things are very different when you get into a best of three or a best of five. And I'm not all that surprised to see teams like the Mets and the Dodgers and the Braves fail to get out of a really competitive uh, National League. And, and as someone who's played his fair share of baseball, I'd, I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, that's people don't like the postseason for that reason. They think, you know, if like the Dodgers won like 111 games or something crazy and, you know, they're out in the first round. Uh, but that's, you know, that's if you look back at like even the college World Series, Ole Miss was, they were down and out for a long time last year and they just got hot at the right time. And that's what these teams do. And you're in a series and it's, it's really who can play best through really a week or however many games you're playing. Um, and it's normally just who has the hot hand that week. And obviously Philadelphia had the hot hand. The Braves were about as cold as ice for most of the series. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a tough one to watch. Yeah. I saw it. I was in the, uh, little bus on the way back and Brandon Frazier, he gives me a hard time about the Braves. And, uh, <laughs> he said he got some great news from ESPN that the Braves lost. So that's all I heard about. Yeah, that's great. Oh, come on, Frazier. Yeah, that's great. Hey, well, you know, you, you've got both wild card teams. You got two wild card teams playing for the for the uh, National League pennant. But it's it's interesting. You know, that's one of the things that people say they love about college football not doing that. But college football is going to expand the uh, the playoffs. And and one of the things we've said is, you know, why should college football be different? If you're one of those top four teams, then it's great. But this is going to give more opportunities. How do you feel about the expansion of the college football playoffs? Um, I like it. I think, you know, like a lot of teams now, bowl games aren't, you know, they don't enjoy the bowl games because it's all about the final four. And so it creates a a lack of motivation for some guys. I think once they realize they're not going to make it, they're like, well, why are we playing if we're just going to go to a bowl game or something like that? And, I think it'll be fun for the players. I think it keeps you in the, in the season for a little bit longer. Maybe if you're a, you know, if you're a 20 seed and up, you have a chance midway through the season. Like you don't really know what's going to happen. You keep playing, and you never know. No, I, I think that's a great point. Some of these games become really, I really, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, we, it's yeah. different. Yeah, so, so some so of the I think games it's become exciting for the players. So, some mm-hmm. of the games become really, really big games that, that maybe lack a little bit of that excitement. Now you're right. If the, if there's playoff, uh, you know, if if there's playoff implications with, with an expanded field, there's the concern of you know watering down the regular season. But there's probably a happy medium between four teams and a bigger number that still makes the regular season incredibly meaningful. I, I think that's a uh, that's a really good point, John Samuel. Yeah, if you think about even like uh, Kentucky right now, I think they have two losses. I mean, if they went out, I know they got to play Georgia and, and that, but you think about a team like that has got two losses and they still got four or five games left in their season. I mean, that's, you're still promised a lot if you, if you play well at the end of the season. So it, it opens up a lot. Um, but yes, you're right. I mean, the upsets, they're going to come with that 12 team playoff or whatever it is. Um, there's going to be some big time upsets in that, which is, you know, for the fans, that's all you can ask for, but as a player, you know, that, that can be difficult, especially if you're a really top-tier seed and you're wondering why you got to play so many games to get there. But, um, no, I think it's exciting for the sport. John, Sammy, again, once again, we really appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us. Uh, um, again, remind folks how they can follow you and everything you do. Yeah, they can follow on Instagram or Twitter. It's at J.S. Shanker, so feel free to reach out. Appreciate it, man. Uh, have a uh, a good off week. Hopefully uh, everybody gets rested up a little bit and uh, 
fully recharged next week. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. John Samuel Schenker joining us again. Tiger Takes proudly presented each Monday at 530 by the Alsobrook Law Group on the web at alsolaw.com. Glad, we to, glad we were able to talk with yeah. John Samuel and, and, and catch up with him and, and always, always enjoy those chats. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Still time for you to join in as we wind it down here on the Monday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, final segment here on this Monday afternoon. Our thanks to... Uh, John Samuel Schenker for joining us as uh, our weekly Tiger Take segment. Right now, let's get back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Matt is up next. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. I got a quick question. Uh, just asking your guys' opinion. I expected our offense to be a little bit of an issue this year. I didn't anticipate quarterbacks getting hurt and all that. But uh, I am a little surprised at the defense playing so poorly, is that a scheme problem, like coaching problem, or is it lack of talent finally catching up with us? But our, our defense was what I thought would be a strong point going into this. I think everybody did. Yeah. Uh, my opinion is that it is um, a scheme problem. I think they're asking certain players to do things they can't do. Uh, I think the linebackers have struggled throughout the season on the run fits, and uh, that's really hurt them. And then the other biggest problem, I think, is they're playing the starters too many snaps, and they're just getting worn down and beat up and tired, and uh, they're just not performing at the level that you would expect them to. And whether that second one is philosophy or lack of depth, both of them are probably, you know, you can you can put some of that at the feet of the coaches. Yeah, right? we, we've talked about it a couple of times here during the show. I mean, we would have loved, I mean, we would have loved to have, Seen more opportunities for guys like Jeffrey Emba and and, and Marquise Robinson and yeah. Um, Sledge, uh, yeah, yeah, Sledge. Um, they they've got some big guys in there that that appeared to be pretty talented, but we just, we just haven't seen them. Seems like linebackers been uh, we you know everybody knew big that was going to be a little bit of an issue, but seems like we could play some younger guys just to see if they would shine on on Saturday. I just I guess they're trying to maybe they're saving their the. Eligibility, maybe that's the issue. Yeah. Uh, any any ideas on that? No, I agree with you 100. percent They need to give some of those guys a chance because it, 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 it yeah. sort of follows the same pattern as last year, where we just didn't see a lot of so, young guys getting much playing somebody time. Somebody asked me on Saturday night if Tabichi Coley is still is still a, 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 on the roster, right? isn't he? He's, oh yeah, he is. Yeah, I, guess. I mean, which as is far like, as I know, as yeah. far as Let I know. look at my depth. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. thought Tabichi Coley was other who, who would also be in this list of defensive linemen. That did not play on Saturday, despite being. Oh, he, has, he hasn't played in a long time. Yeah, he hasn't hasn't played in a long time. He's 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 still he's still there, isn't he? I mean, yep. Yeah, I I still have to meet you. Yeah, I still have to meet you, Coley, on my roster. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I oh, let's see who else did I not mention? Uh, Zeke Walker, um, and then at linebacker. Yeah, I mean, um, we've seen a little of Robert Woodyard on special teams. Have not seen Powell Gordon yet. I don't believe. <laughs> Yeah. Can uh, last thing do they do they not teach ripping the ball out? I see other teams that try to rip the ball out, get fumbles late in the play. Um, we don't ever really seem to be aggressive with that. Uh, I was wondering if that. I guess that's a coaching mentality as well. What do y'all think? 
Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I wondered Saturday about how much tackling practice they do because they, there are a lot of guys that don't wrap up. They just sort of mm, go for the yeah. kill shot. Yeah. And that, that sort of led to some of those 23 missed tackles, which I believe are the most Auburn's had in the game in a long, long time. Appreciate the call, Matt. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We just got a couple of minutes left. We, we mentioned briefly, and then moved back to football. That Auburn did open the season ranked yeah. fifteen, one of five yeah. SEC teams in the uh, top twenty-five. I think Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, Arkansas, Tennessee. Is Tennessee ten or eleven? I think Tennessee's ten, and then Bama's behind Auburn, right? Right. And, right. and so, and and the three the three teams ranked ahead with Auburn. I mean, it, it's not all that long ago that the SEC would have maybe one. Top fifteen preseason mm-hmm. team generally be Kentucky. You've got at least four teams that people think have a real shot at the Final Four, and maybe five depending on Alabama and Florida has a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. You know, Todd Golden's done a good job uh, collecting some, uh, some some intriguing players. Castleton's back for another year on top of the other guys that Florida was able to bring back. And there's some other. How many pl- years has he been there? I know it's 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 really it's incredible. Uh, but then uh, and, and then there's there's some some talented uh, teams around the league as well. I don't think L- LSU got the uh, LSU got the conference player of the year uh, to come with McMahon from uh, for, from Murray State. So I mean they, they've got as a, a KJ Johnson, I think is the guy's name, and and so so there's there's reason to believe places like LSU, South Carolina, Mississippi State won't be down for too long. So but this this league is oh the league is it's so ridiculous. It, it it really is. Brian, uh, man, we really appreciate it once again. It's still going to be a busy week, even though it's an off week. Yes, it will. And uh, of course, we'll get together for our podcast and rundown tomorrow. We'll have some football and recruiting coverage, even with the off week, and then maybe a little bit extra on basketball and baseball this week. And, a, and after a, a rough picking week, we get the week off in that's our right. picking contest. Yes, get to right. rest a little bit. Yeah, man, that was that was a tough one. All right, that's going to wrap things up for the Monday drive. Appreciate uh, all the calls. Brian, of course, John Samuel Schenker. We're back with you tomorrow at 4. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.